So Rhyme Tov, we continue in the Sefer Sha'orim Batvila. We're moving on to the sixth expression of prayer. And that is called Pigia. Pigia. Pei Gimel Yud Ayin Hey. Pigia. What does that mean? Well, let's see the source and maybe we'll work with this. Hashem says to the Navi Yirmiyo in chapter 7. And you, do not pray for this nation. Don't raise your voice in Rina. That's we had already before. Utfila. That's another expression we haven't explained yet. And now comes the new one. And do not tifka, which means do not plead with me. So pikiyah is pleading. And if you want to be more unsophisticated, it means nudging. Okay? Nudging. Pikiyah means an excessive amount of requests that you stubbornly request in order to get what you need very much. And that's what Rashi explains in the uh, in the book of Rus, when the pasuk says Al Tifka Ibi, and Rashi says Eloshon Haftsara, an expression of pleading, which means to ask and to ask again and to ask again, until, as it were, Hashem, until we nudge Hashem, so to speak, that He has no peace and tranquility, until you do what. Until he does what is asked for. The best example is a really irate child who's nudging you and nudging you. I really want that candy. Can I have the candy? I want the candy. I want the candy. I want the candy. And then finally, here, take it. Just stop nudging me already. All right? That's what Pigia is. We find by Moshe Rabbeinu where the Medrash says when Hashem, when he wanted to pray to be able to get into Eretz Yisrael, he did all kinds of pleadings. For Eschanan, Gematria, 515 prayers. And then Hashem says, Hanikali, leave me alone. And the rabbis say, had the Pusik not said that, we wouldn't be able to. Had the Torah not said this, we couldn't have said it ourselves. As it were, as it were, Moshe Rabbeinu grabs God by his collar and says, I'm not letting you go until you forgive me. Similarly, Yitzchak, when he prayed for Rivka, it says, Vayetar, and Rashi says, he pleaded excessively. Same thing with Hannah. She pleaded excessively until she got what she wanted. As it says, <coughs> how she excessively prayed. And the Talmud Yerushalmi says, whoever prays excessively gets answered. And the rabbis explain again in the Jerusalem Talmud from the Pasuk in Isaiah. Gam ki tirbu Hashem says, even if you pray a lot, I'm not going to listen. But what does that mean? What's the default position? The default position means when you pray a lot, you get answered to. Sometimes there's exceptions. 
But we see if you pray a lot, you nudge a lot, you get it. And we find many holy people, when they wanted something, they prayed a lot until Hashem did what they want. Right? Again, that idea of child keeps nudging a father. Okay, you know what? The, eventually, the father's going to give him, no matter what, even the shirt off his back. And that's how Hashem has a relationship with us that the more we nudge, the more we ask, even if we're not worthy based on our actions, Hashem will still accept our prayers. Okay? Even if it is bad for us. Or sometimes. Morantinus says like this, in the days of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, there was two simultaneous tsaras. There was a hunger and a pestilence. One, two. And the rabbis were saying, what do we do? How do we pray? Do we pray that Hashem should take both of them away? We can't do that. You only can pray for one thing at a time. So which one do we pray for first? So the rabbis gave different explanations. We pray for this one, that'll include the other one, etc., etc. Gomorrah knows where's the source that you can't pray for two things at a time. They bring a bunch of psukim. It seems that when you pray, you don't pray for more than one thing at a time. That's what Gomorrah says. But there's a question on that. What are you going to do now when you're down Mincha? How many things are you going to pray for under Shemona Esri? At least 13. The middle 13 brachas. You're going to pray for intelligence, tshuva, wealth, health, etc., etc. What's this idea that you, that you can't pray for more than one thing at a time? The answer is that over there they were talking about specific dangerous problems. When we pray, we don't have anything specifically necessarily so terrible that we're getting. It's like the general prayers. We give general things. The Gemara Times was saying there were two terrible things staring them right in the face. A hunger and a pestilence. When there's a specific thing that's really bad to the point you have to make a decree of a fast day, you don't pray for two things. That is, there's one specific thing which needs total focus total concentration for this completely. And let's explain what we mean by that and how this works. We will see in uh, next week's Parsha. It says by Avram Avinu. It says by Yigash Avram and Avram approached. And Rashi there says we find approach used many times in the Torah. Sometimes approach is approaching in battle. Sometimes we approach for appeasement. And sometimes we approach in prayer. And for each one, Avram entered to speak harsh and appeasing words of prayer. That's what Rashi says. So we see there's three types of prayer, Rashi says. And one of them is like milchama for a battle. And when it's a battle, that's the expression of pigiah, of, uh, of what do we say, pleading. Okay, and when you're praying, which is like a battle, it's not only hard, 
But what do you do when you're fighting? What's such an important thing when you have a battle? What's one of the most important criteria to succeed in a battle? Is to be totally focused on the agenda, on the target. You have to have a clear target. You don't go to battle and say, well, we'll see what happens when we get there. You gotta know, this is the target, this is the goal, we gotta get there. I cannot be distracted by other things. You just can't, okay, we'll just, we'll just carpet bomb. No, you gotta know where the target, you gotta be focused. Use intelligence to find exactly where you go, whatever we have to conquer, right? You can't just say, well, just attack the whole country. Israel, you know, they're gonna have to be very focused. They're focused to get Hamas. They don't care about the Palestinians. They want Hamas out. You can't be distracted. And that's what the UN, the whole world is trying to distract. You know, you gotta worry about the civilians. That's a big distraction. If you got, if you got the, the Hamas guy there, you just kill him. What if you maybe gonna kill a baby? Now I gotta start thinking of a baby and a this and a that, and I'm not. By the time I make a decision, the Palestinian already killed me. That's to be crystal clear, focus. Okay. And that's always the best advice for anybody. And if you ever want anything, right? So, uh, and that when it comes to prayer, you have to look at it as as like being in combat. You just don't go holus bolus. You gotta say, this is the target we're looking for. Um, we have an expression we say to uh, rock the heavens, they're using this term, to create an upheaval of the worlds, the spiritual worlds, to daven a lot. So you have to have a target. And this is what this pigia is. There's a specific goal that really is important. And I'm laser focused on that. And Rav Pincus gives an example, a story that happened with him. Something very unusual. There was a couple who was raising a family and they eventually were Joser Bichuva. And they eventually sent their children to a Haredi school and those children became very from kids, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Rav Pinka saw this, this second family like in five years, everything changed around unbelievably. And even the father, who was so secular, he's learning Torah and going into a kolel. Talk about secular Israelis going into kolel this. So he he's, was curious, well, how is this happening? So he asked some of their friends who knew them. Some of the friends said the following. The wife of the man, she decided that they have to be religious and her husband has to start learning Torah. The husband was secular. And she knew that was nearly impossible. He has no interest in learning Torah. Doesn't have patience for learning Torah. And she really didn't speak to the husband much about it at all. But she davened and davened and davened and said lots of tehillim. With one goal, 
My husband should be a Talmud Chacham. The years passed and slowly, slowly it happened. And Rapinka says, I see this guy, he mamish learns with such dedication now. He doesn't waste a second. He said, when I saw that, it opened up to me a new understanding about prayer. And in Yiddish, I know none of you know Yiddish, but Yiddish is called Oisbetten, which means to pray a lot, to plead a lot, without stopping until you get what you need. And that's the, you want to have success in learning Torah? You're laser focused every day you're praying for that. You want to have your Shemaim, whatever. If it's for you, for someone else, you want your children to grow up properly. Whatever it is, you don't have Parnasa. You have to enter the war of prayer day and night and to not weaken it in other words, very simply, not to leave your post. That's what pigia is. Now, you have in modern Hebrew, the word pigua, pigua in modern Hebrew is a terrorist attack. Now, you think about a terrorist attack, they're very focused. Chas you see what happened. These guys on October 7th, it wasn't we're just going to go in and just see what happens. They were practicing. They were training. They were very focused. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, to, to kill as many people as possible. And they were well-trained. They didn't digress their thoughts. It was, that's, that's a milchama. That's a milchama of evil. So when we want to fight to stop it, obviously, the soldiers have to be very focused. But as we know, their success depends on our prayer. And therefore, our prayers have to be, you want to know how focused should my prayers be? As focused as a soldier has to be not to get killed. The, the soldier is, is coming into the, entering Gaza, and now he has to go through the streets, and his cell phone buzzes. <clears throat> Let me pick it up. Hello? And then you stop, and the Arab sees you, you're done. You got to realize that every second, you can get killed. You got to be focused. You got to be noticing any little movement and anything that looks unusual. That's called laser-focused. So, the soldiers have to be laser-focused, but they need spiritual assistance. And therefore, we have to be laser-focused in our prayers. And not to be distracted with just just general uh, general things. No, if you need something and it's important, you have to be very focused and continually pray for it. And keep nudging and nudging and nudging until you get it. Okay. That is pigia. And certainly there is a place for it. But now we have to do with another question. How do you know, when does the time come that you should just give it up? You've been praying for five years for something, hasn't happened. Praying for 10 years, hasn't happened. Probably by now, the answer is no. So just give it up. So what, what's the rule? What's the rule of thumb for this? So, and therefore, uh, 
Pinker says there's a lot of pitfalls we have to be careful about. And if we avoid those pitfalls, then maybe we're in a better position to understand this. But in general, we have to ask a different question. And the different question is, where's my, where's my, uh, you know, the, the question is, let's say I want to borrow something from you. You got a nice car. I want to borrow the car. For whatever reason, my car isn't uh, working now. Can I borrow the car? And you say no. Okay, I ask again. You say no. Ask again. Listen, how many times I got to tell you the answer is no? It's a brand new car. I don't want anybody putting that first scratch on besides me. And I hope I don't make a scratch. And I already lent cars to people and they scratched it off and they said, the answer is no, it's my new car. Come to me in 10 years when it's all scratched up and bumped together, then I can do it. Now, what if you're gonna keep asking? What's gonna happen? He's gonna just not be your friend anymore, right? So, uh, so why is he gonna do this with Hashem? Why do that with Hashem? You know, for example, when Yitzchak married Rivka, she was barren for many years. And they were married already 20 years. They didn't have any kids. They keep davening and davening and davening. How come we can keep nudging God when we can't nudge our friends? The answer is very simple. When we ask a friend to lend us a car or do a favor for us, right, that specific thing, if he doesn't want to do it for us or he can't do it for us, that's the answer. That's it. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it for you. Asking more isn't going to help. But, and it's either because he can't do it, what does it mean he can't do it? Maybe he physically can't do it or he can't emotionally bring himself to do it. Because he remembers 20 years ago he lent his car to somebody and the guy trashed it and he lost a lot of money and he can never get over that and he just can't emotionally lend his car. Okay. But the Rabbi Nishalaylam Hashem can do anything. He's never unable to do anything. And when Hashem says no, it's not because he's not capable of doing it. But sometimes Hashem wants us to daven over and over so we develop a stronger relationship with Hashem. To have a connection with Him. And that's why the Talmud says Hashem lusts for the prayers of the righteous. He can certainly answer, but He loves to hear them talk to Him. He loves to hear this connection. So therefore, you don't have to feel bad when you're nudging God. Okay. Now, and sometimes, sometimes to get something which is so hard needs a lot of prayer. Prayer is, so to speak, a spiritual currency. It's a spiritual currency. So, some things in the spiritual world are easy to get, and some things are very expensive. If you want to have a child and that child could be the next leader of the generation, 
that's not going to come with one or two prayers. The mother of the Chazonish, the mother of other people, it didn't come with one or two prayers. Sometimes God says, I'm going to give it to you, but this, this what you want? You don't realize what you're really getting here. It's going to take 20 years of prayers. And when you save up all those prayers, then you'll get what you want. So it's not a no. It's no and of course, we don't know how expensive it is. But Hashem is very happy if you keep nudging him, because nudging for good things. And here's where we have to understand some pitfalls. Okay. Um, because sometimes you have to be very careful in how you do this because we don't want this abundance of prayer to perhaps be a cause of sin. It's interesting. The famous stories with Choni HaMa'agel, the circle drawer. And he once prayed, and he prayed by drawing the circle. He said, I'm not getting out of this circle till you answer me because we need rain. And what did they say about it? The Hashem said, if it wasn't for the fact that you were Choni and you're such a tzaddik, I would excommunicate you. Because you weren't leaving me. What is it? I'm not leaving the, the circle to you. Ah, but, but, but you're Choni. You're an exception to the rule. That means the normal rules, we should do this. You have to be very careful. Two things he talks about. First of all, do we really know what is truly best for us? We think we know what's best for us. Oh, I want my child to get accepted into this yeshiva. It's a very top-level yeshiva. Or I want my child to be accepted to a prestigious university. Or whatever, I want to get this job, I want to get that job. Do we really know if this is in our best interest? Because Hashem knows all the details that happened over there. Let's say, it's really important that I should be wealthy. It's really where I should be the biggest scholar in the world. Okay. And the question is, how do you know? Maybe it's better not. So therefore, you got to always, and that could, that could show chutzpah. That means it come, you come off saying, I know better than you, Hashem. So you have to modify the type of prayer you say. So... The best way is in a general way you say that the implication is, really, I want all this so that I can do your will. Let's say you're praying for a shidduch. You want a, a, a match. And you say, Hashem, bring me a shidduch that will be what you would want me to have. You want parnasa. Say, Hashem, please give me the kind of parnasa that you know is for my best interest. And I know I've sinned, and I know there's prosecutors, but please give me the parnasa that I know that you know is, is in my best interest. Which don't come across like, I know what I need, Hashem, and just give me what I want. That's the little baby nudging. You gotta be a, a big baby, a big grown-up nudging. It's Hashem, I really, listen, I don't have any children. How can a person be a complete person to serve Hashem? Having children is a means of connecting to Hashem. That's why I want the child. Now, for example, many people who don't have children because they don't want to be different than other people. They want to be looked at as weirdos. 
So are they really wanting a child for Hashem's sake? No. And if you keep nudging and nudging, you're just showing how selfish you are. And now you don't really care. But if you say, Hashem, I want to have a child, I want to have a child, you know why? Because this will be able to enable me to be the best servant to you. And I want to be able to bring ambassadors into the world. And Hashem, if you see fit, please give me. And even if he doesn't answer you, you just keep praying. But that it doesn't come across as you think you're smarter than God. You can say, you know, maybe this is a child that will take forever for me to pray. Maybe you need 20 years to produce such a child. So that's one important idea we have to think about. Second one is that when you ask things for Hashem's sake, or uh, you want Mashiach and things like that, you gotta you gotta be careful with the honor you have to give Hashem. In other words, don't treat Hashem like your buddy. Okay. Even though we say Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. But you gotta remember who you're talking to. And Hashem is beyond everything. And therefore, even though you, you want to get close to Hashem, but you gotta realize you have to be in awe of Hashem, with respect of Hashem. And therefore, don't come across with your nudging that, well, you know, you're my you're my friend and you should give it to me. You gotta come with a with an awe. And say, I know I've asked you many times, and please, please forgive me if I'm asking you again. But I really feel it's important. See, if you nudge a lot, you know, what 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 why does the parent just say, here, take it, just leave me alone? Because they feel that you're not giving them respect. You have to remember who you're talking to. You're talking to Hashem. And you have to show him that respect. Yes, you can ask him for 10 years for the same thing. But it's got to be with a sense of respect. Okay, and if you're under a difficult situation, yes, then of course uh, you should, uh, you should uh, say to Hillam, or specific liturgies that the rabbis tell us to do, okay, and scream from the depths of your heart and all these things should happen. Of course, there's nothing wrong with praying a lot and often, but you gotta be careful to say, but I don't really know if this is the best. If it is the best, I'm gonna keep asking for that. And if it is the best, I'm gonna be very respectful, okay? And you have to remember also, there's another trap. If you keep asking and asking, and it doesn't come true, you might start complaining. Why did I fast? Why did we do this? We didn't see anything good that came out of it. Right? Gamor Moy Cotton says they warn us, don't pray and specify that I should have a special this woman. Hashem, help me marry this girl. Because maybe that's not the one for you. And it's like you're denying Hashem knows what he's doing. Okay, that's like a prayer that is not a useful prayer. So don't stumble in that. Okay? And you shouldn't have any complaints. You say, I think this will be a good girl, but stop nudging Hashem about this. One second, let me just finish a little bit over here. Okay. And... Uh, Second. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, go ahead, ask a question. Well, I didn't understand when to stop asking. I didn't understand that part. I mean, you said it can go for 20 years, but then... So you don't, ha to you don't have to stop. You don't ever have to stop. But you have to begin to realize, is this the thing I should be focusing all my energy on? Right? Is this the thing I should be focusing all my energy? And sometimes you'll notice that because it's just not going to help anymore. Let's say people didn't have any children and they prayed for 25 years. Now the wife's past menopause. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's time to stop praying for that because you're not going to get an answer for that. That is a, that is a right? physical... Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's uh, sometimes the answer is clear. I want to get... But, but sometimes... So you don't always know. No, but like you went like ninety percent. You know that if you would have tried another ten percent, you you might have well, got it. But you don't know. You stop at and, that point. And, and then let's put it this way: How long did Avram and Sarah pray for children? Ninety-nine years. Well, I don't think I'll, let's say eighty. Because when did they get married? They prayed for many years. They prayed for many years, and then Hashem did a miracle for them. And to have a Yitzhak, you got to pray for 80 years. Yeah. To have a Yitzhak, you have to pray a long time. Yeah. Shouldn't get answered so quickly. Right. How come that uh, Yitzhak and, Rach and, and, and Rivka had a wicked child? They're righteous. Mm -hmm. The answer is, why did it take Avram and Sarah so long? Because they were, their parents were wicked. And they had some bad genes that had to be removed over time. So now that they were away from family for so many years, now Hashem says, now if you have a child, he'll be pure. Rivka and Yitzchak, they only were married 20 years and didn't have kids. Why was Hashem not answering? Because remember, Rivka, you come from a rotten family. You come from Lavan, Basul, all these terrible people. It really is going to take many more years until you're totally out yeah. of that realm. But you kept nudging me. Okay, you're going to get it sooner than I want, and that's why you end up getting an ace. Be careful what you ask for. So you have to be careful, and you're going to say, listen, I think this is the will of Hashem, and I'd like to get it. And then if you get lacking an answer, you might want to go to another person who can be objective and say, really, what are you, why are you asking? I asking for this and then let, let's say you're asking for wealth <clears throat> you, you have a decent job you're, ma you're making a living but you want to make a lot of money because then I can give a lot of tzedakah Shem doesn't answer your prayers he says, says no so then you, then you gotta say listen I've been praying for 10 years to have more birth, but really I've been a pretty good Jew without the extra so you have to be very honest with yourself you have to be so honest to say, why do I really want this? So I can serve Hashem better. Well, I've been praying for the last 10 years, and you know what? I think I'm serving Hashem pretty good as it is. So sometimes Hashem wants to realize, by getting all the no's, that really you don't need this. See, if you really believe you need something, deep, deep down, you're going to keep trying. But let's say you want it, but not that badly. So after a while, you'll give up. So part of this is Hashem wants to know how badly do you want it and why do you want it? And that we have to be very honest with ourselves. Sometimes honesty comes with time. 
You think this is a great thing. But then you get honest, you say, no, you know what, this is not really for me. The more you think about, should I again pray for this? Sometimes you realize, you know, I don't really need it. I thought I needed it. Maybe over time, you start thinking, well, maybe I really don't need this so much. Maybe I'm meant to serve Hashem in a different way. It's difficult. It's difficult to be honest with oneself. Now, Hashem will never punish you, but maybe it's time to think, maybe pray for something else. Now, if you honestly feel, no, this has to be, and then you consult with an independent, unbiased rabbinic authority, you can say, yes, this is an important thing. You should keep praying for it. But you can say, listen, it's just not going to be. It's not practical. You know, so then you, you learn not to ask for these things. You know, if a person, you know, to pray for things that are impossible, and how is that really going to help the Jewish people or Hashem? Maybe it's time to give it up. A lot of times we have wrong expectations, and time can heal that and say, you know what, maybe, maybe this was something Hashem. When you start feeling that way, then that's a time to stop. But if you really think, no, I really have to do this, okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You know, and maybe the answer won't come for until future generations. A lot of people. There's a lot of stories about that which we don't have the time. But that is Thank you. Thank you.